Hey gang, welcome back to the Brianna Approved Podcast. And today I am excited because we are on episode 40 of the podcast and it's going to be a solo one. And since episode 40 is an exciting number, I figured it's a great reason to celebrate. Now, most people would celebrate with like champagne and alcohol and um, don't get me wrong, from time to time I like that. However, doesn't always feel great the next day or on the body and as I've gotten older I've just realized it's not how I prefer to celebrate so much anymore. I would rather go to Whole Foods or buy a new book or um, buy something that I don't need off of Amazon like a new tincture or whatever. So we're going to talk about today the effects that alcohol has on your brain and your body and your sleep and if you do want to still drink, um, how to go about dealing with hangovers. So we're going to go into a nerd alert section of the show, which will dive deeper into specific neural pathways involved in drinking. And then in the knowledge bite sections, I'm going to actually talk about how to drink smarter. So how to pre-tox and then kind of detox if you choose to drink, so supporting the liver. And then I also am going to, of course, touch on why your partner actually snores more when they drink why you can't remember things when you're drinking or maybe the day after, and then discussing a little bit about the idea of damp living and how to go about embracing that and why um, you don't actually sleep as well as you think you do when you drink. It's that time for our fun fact of the day while I sip cafe. Did you know that alcohol has been found to affect over 100 unique receptors in the brain? And researchers have found that even a single drink on average per day can decrease brain volume over time. Now, I know this is a bummer to some people, but there was actually a study that was done by the University of Oxford, and researchers followed participants for 30 years. So they tracked their drinking patterns and their brain health. And participants in this study who drank four or more drinks a day had almost six times the risk of hippocampus shrinkage compared to non-drinkers, while moderate drinkers had three times the risk. And in case you forgot, your hippocampus deals a lot with memory. We'll talk about that more in the nerd alert section. But in other words, brain shrinkage was basically proportional to the amount of alcohol that participants consume. So even mild and moderate drinking showed more shrinkage of the hippocampus than those who abstain from alcohol completely. So the more you know. Next, we are going to get into knowledge bites because knowledge is your brain's favorite food. In this section of knowledge bites, we are going to be talking about how to go about drinking smarter, but what is actually going on with hangovers in your body. Because I don't want to be a total Debbie Downer. Like, listen, if you still want to drink and have a silly goose time, that's totally for you. I still like to have a glass of wine here and there or a really good glass of champagne. Um, But my days of getting super, super rowdy are far behind me. I've never really been a big drinker, but I do know that it's, you know, it's an important part of a lot of cultures and there's a lot of, you know, social benefits to being around people, but I'm also a proponent of not getting bullied into drinking. I was kind of always that person who had like what I call a prop beer where I would just like order a drink and carry it around for a super long time and spill half of it out on the ground anyway, um, because maybe I was a little bit more insecure about that when I was younger. Now I don't care as much, but if you're listening to this and you're struggling with that, 
there are ways to still kind of, you know, drink and have a good time, but also not go too, too wild. So first things first, I want to talk about how, you know, alcohol affects, you know, the whole body and it can affect your body pretty quickly. So what happens is it's absorbed through the lining of your stomach and then into your bloodstream. So once it's there, it pretty much spreads into the tissues throughout your body. And so alcohol can reach your brain in about five minutes and then it can start, it can start to affect you within 10 minutes. And then about after 20 minutes, your liver starts processing alcohol. So on average, your liver can metabolize one ounce of alcohol every hour. So this is why you should kind of try to like pace yourself or to drink a glass of water with every glass of alcohol that you're having, right, to sort of help your liver out. And so your whole body can absorb alcohol essentially, but it does really take a toll on the brain. And what a lot of the research is showing is that Alcohol interferes with the brain's communication pathways, and we'll talk about that in the nerd alert section, but it can also process it can also affect how your brain processes information. So why we don't always make great decisions. Um, this also goes into the argument about when people talk about, you know, does drinking impact weight gain? Well, yes and no. Um, the short answer is that, you know, sometimes when we drink, myself included, like your inhibitions go to the wind and you want to maybe eat what you normally wouldn't eat, or you're making, you know, poor choices the next day because you feel like garbage. So, and then of course it can infect, uh, impact your hormones and um, estrogen levels and all of that, but that's for a later time. Now, next I want to talk a little bit about hangover symptoms and so why some people can like take it like a champ and why some people cannot handle it. Like now I've noticed my body, I really cannot drink hard liquor at all anymore. If I do, I really pay for it the next day. Um, So as we know, hangover symptoms are closely tied to basically how efficiently your body can break down alcohol, but also break down the byproducts like acetaldehyde. And so the effects of alcohol really depends on the person and the individual. And there are there are several factors that can impact basically the amount of alcohol and how like or how our body deals with getting rid of it. So um, this can be, you know, how quickly we're consuming the alcohol, right? Are we like nursing our drink or are we like pounding back shots? Um, you know, the, our age can definitely impact this. Um, you know, females versus males, there's definitely differences in how our body processes that, you know, with the amount of water that we hold, you know, our, our weight, of course, and then, you know, our physical shape, right? So, These are kind of some factors to take into account when you maybe are thinking to yourself like, I'll try and keep up with my homie over there who's like pounding shots and they've been drinking for years and you're a lightweight. So like take that into consideration. Um, But we know for intoxication to actually occur for you to be like drunk, um, this occurs basically when your alcohol intake exceeds your body's ability to metabolize or break down the alcohol. So that's how we get drunk. So that's why some people can kind of like chill all night and they're fine, right? Because they're sort of doing this like on and off where their body is consuming the alcohol and then they're helping to support those detoxification pathways. We also know that there are certain genes that are actually responsible for getting rid of alcohol. One of them is called aldehyde dehydrogenase, um, which breaks down the toxic kind of byproduct acetaldehyde, which that is basically what contributes to that misery uh, that comes with drinking too much and when we have a hangover. So acetaldehyde is really like 
that's the culprit there for why we feel like we want to die the next day, why we cannot get it together. Um, Also, when we get a pounding headache, if that comes with your hangover this many times is actually due to dehydration because ethanol basically dries out your brain. So go ahead and be that super annoying person like I am at the bar when I'm like, excuse me, can I have a seltzer water or can I have a water um, for, you know, with this drink as well? I mean, I'm a stickler on that rule. Like, listen, for every drink you have, you should have at least one to 1.5 glasses of alcohol, not only to help with the detoxification process, but also um, because we know that alcohol what it does is it suppresses a hormone called arginine vasopressin, which basically helps to conserve water levels in the body. So it suppresses that hormone. So without vasopressin there to kind of regulate things, more of our water gets lost in our urine. So this is why the joke of like, don't break the seal, because once you start going to the bathroom, right? Um, And this can cause your body's water levels to drop. And then the brain also loses water, right? Our brain is a big portion of water. And so when the brain loses water, it can kind of shrink essentially. And then this is what causes you to have that splitting headache the next day. Your brain is dehydrated. Another thing that adds to your hangover symptoms is actually inflammation. So um, when we are detoxing alcohol and the acetaldehyde, right, molecules from your liver known as cytokines can actually make you feel achy and feverish the next day. So these are all things to sort of just like keep in mind for like what's going on with my body? Why do I feel like garbage? Um, And then of course, as our body is detoxifying and processing these things, we're actually running through a lot of minerals and vitamins and things that we need to quote detoxify. So Um, For instance, alcohol can actually disrupt our magnesium levels, right? And so because alcohol does have a diuretic effect on water and other minerals, again, like magnesium, um, we need this for the inflammatory process. Um, It it plays a role in our antioxidant system. And so it can also help with phase two detoxification, which we'll talk about in a second. And we also know that frequent drinking can contribute to B vitamin deficiency. So this can lead to memory and mood issues, right? Because Um, This can cause us to feel kind of foggy the next day. And this also can leave us feeling nauseous. Um, B6 plays a a really big role in in feeling nauseated, having a headache, feeling irritated, and also that feeling that a lot of people get when they have like a hangover anxiety or anxiety, I think people call it, um, because our B vitamins do play a role in that. So if you want to drink, good on you, do what you got to do have a silly goose time, right? I'm pro living your best life, but choose your alcohol wisely first and foremost, right? So, um, you know, number one, try to limit any sort of added sugars and mixers. We know that's going to just be like a sugar bomb and give you a headache. Um, there are some people who talk about, you know, sulfite free wines. Um, you know, that's something to think about, but chances are you're not going to be able to get that like out in a bar, also, being aware of the liquor content, right? So things that have a higher liquor like content are going to likely cause more of a hangover. This is why people can like, you know, drink a bunch of beers, not like a 8% IPA, but like, you know, a Miller Lite, right? Because there's less alcohol in there. Um, you know, but also trying, there's some people who talk about like choose clear alcohol, like vodka, gin, and tequila. Um, so that's kind of up to you. But you know, the, choosing your alcohol wisely, I think, is going to be important as well as, like I said, making sure that you are drinking water with every glass of alcohol you have, um, at least one glass of water. 
And then something I talk to about my clients a lot is what I, I refer to as like pre-toxing and then detoxing. So kind of prepping your body before you go out. So they make some of these like supplements. I think it's called like the hangover cure or I don't know what it is, but they sell them at like Whole Foods at the checkout counter. If you turn over the ingredients and you look, it's just a proprietary blend of basically a bunch of B vitamins. And then sometimes they'll throw a couple herbs in there. So there's ways that you can do this as well if you know that you are going out or you're going to an event or you want to have a drink or whatever it is. So there's a couple of things that you can do before you go out drinking to kind of prep the body and support it. And then there's some things you can do um, when you get home. So number one, we know that all of our B vitamins are involved in our phase one liver detoxification. Um, and, you know, our, uh, and for phase two as well, particularly like B2 is really important for, you know, our brain and nervous system, energy, immune, all that. So you can go ahead and increase your dosage of B vitamins the day that you are drinking, right? So, um, because we want to show our liver as much love as we can, again, we maybe want to increase our intake of water that whole day. Um, but also before we go out, maybe taking again a B vitamin complex, because that's kind of you know what some of those supplements do. And then trying to lean into some more herbs that can be really nice for elevated liver enzymes, which is what happens when we drink. So milk thistle um, and dandelion root. Those are two of my sort of go-tos whenever I am planning on drinking. I will sort of rev up that dosage throughout the day and take more milk thistle and take more dandelion root and my B vitamins. You can also take something called NAC, so N-acetylcysteine, about 200 milligrams, roughly like 30 to 60 minutes before you go out. This can increase your glutathione levels, which is one of those, you know, antioxidants helps with detoxification. And then when you get home, what you can do as well is something actually like bentonite clay or activated charcoal to help to absorb the alcohol. Um, and then I would take some more of a milk thistle tincture. I would also suggest doing what I call a coconut water nightcap, right? So like drinking something that's going to have a lot of those trace minerals in it, because again, drinking can dehydrate us. It can use a lot of those minerals. So coconut water is really great. Um, and especially if you actually get sick and like you end up vomiting from drinking, that's going to dehydrate you as well. And then the next day as well, in case you're still not feeling great, um, a couple things you can do for extra credit. So of course, get some movement in, try to sweat it out, right? That's really great for our phase you know, two detoxification. Try and add in some sea salt and get some trace minerals in there, potentially some electrolytes to really step up that hydration game. And then some extra magnesium um, to help with phase two detoxification. Hey, y'all. If you know me and you've been a longtime follower, you know there are a few things that I absolutely love. I love doing research, I love being productive, and I love having lots of energy. But I know from time to time, finding the motivation to be productive can become difficult. So I actually want to talk to you about this amazing little drink that I have been taking that has not only improved my morning routine, but also my productivity. And the best part is I do not have to give up my coffee because, you know, your girl loves a fun fact of the day while I sip cafe. So I want to talk to you about Magic Mind, a great formula that has adaptogens, matcha green tea, nootropics, and 12 ingredients that can really just help get you on the next level of your motivation, your to-do list, and your just creative flow. As with anything when it comes to our health, we know the power of compounded interest. So the benefits of drinking this every day builds with daily use. So if you are 
somebody who is maybe looking to become more productive, you want to potentially replace your morning coffee, you want to get into a flow state, you want to feel less stressed, you want to be more creative, this is something that you absolutely want to add to your morning routine. You know that I love utilizing botanicals and plant medicine, so there's a great formulation in here of ashwagandha and rhodiola. There's also lion's mane and cordyceps, as well as bacopa. So I absolutely love this product, and because I love it so much, you know that I want to be able to share this with you. Go check them out at magicmind.co slash approved and join a community of go-getters. You can also use my discount code, which is approved20, to get 40% off your first subscription or 20% off your first one-time purchase. My 40% off code only lasts 10 days, so hurry up, don't sleep on this, and I can't wait to hear how y'all love this formula. So the last half of the show, I want to talk about, of course, our nerd alert section, which we're going to discuss what's going on with your brain and some neurotransmitters, um, what's going on with sleeping and how that's impacted by alcohol, and then, of course, how to actually have moderation and then embrace something what we call damp living. So let's get into nerd alert, nerd alert, nerd alert. So this section is really cool because you know I love understanding what's going on from you know a neurochemistry level. And so we know that studies have found that specific kind of areas of the brain um, are impacted by alcohol. So specific events depend not just on how much someone drinks, but also whether their blood alcohol content is rising or falling, right? So this is why some people will say alcohol is a depressant, which is partially true. Um, But we know that while we are in the process of drinking, alcohol actually acts as a stimulant, right? Which is can be more of an upper. And then as the alcohol tapers off, it actually, that is when it becomes more of a sedative. So classifications of drugs basically can be explained by the chemical targets within the brain. So like what areas of the brain are they targeting? So a stimulant, for example, can influence dopamine and norepinephrine, while depressants more so target GABA levels, right? So again, this is why as we're drinking, we're feeling kind of like up and we're excited. That's why it's a stimulant. But as the alcohol starts to wear off, it can be more sedative. So again, um, as that blood alcohol kind of is rising, what drinkers report is that they feel more excitement, they feel more extroverted, right? They feel more elated. And then um, they can actually feel like less fatigued. They feel um, less tension. They feel less depressed, which is interesting, right? Which is, I think, why people obviously lean into that, especially if there's like social anxiety or what have you. However, a descending blood alcohol content corresponds to a decrease basically um, in like liveliness and vigor, and then it can lead to an increase in fatigue and confusion and depression and even feeling like more relaxed. So again, it is important to understand where you fall on that sort of spectrum. So Drinking initially can kind of increase our levels of norepinephrine. So that's kind of that neurotransmitter that's responsible for arousal. That's what gives us that heightened excitement, right, when we first start to drink. And we're like, yeah, I'll have another one. This is so fun. Um, And then norepinephrine, of course, is a chemical that targets, you know, like other stimulants do, suggesting that alcohol, again, is not just a depressant and can have stimulating properties. So elevated levels of norepinephrine can basically also increase 
um, can increase our impulsivity. So this is why when we're drinking, we are like losing our inhibitions. We're like, yeah, I'll book that trip. Or like, yeah, I'll text my ex. Or yeah, like I'll do, I'll do whatever, right? So we become stupid sometimes. And this is because of the norepinephrine. And what happens is that drunken brains, like when our brains are drunk, they are more primed to seek pleasure without necessarily considering the consequences. So this is why we make poor choices sometimes when we are drunk, which is why I actually always joke and I say, never drink to feel better, drink to feel only even better. Because if you're kind of like teetering with an idea of something, I feel like when you drink, if you're in like a bad mood or you're sort of bummed out or whatever, like your brain is trying to feel better, but it's not really also taking into consideration the consequences. And so then the next day you're like, oh, I should not have done that. We also know that the region of the brain with the greatest decrease in activity when we drink is our prefrontal cortex, which we know is kind of that executive decision maker, and the temporal cortex. So when we have decreased activity in the prefrontal cortex, this basically is the area, like I said, that deals with decision-making and rational thoughts. So this further explains why alcohol causes us to act like wild and why we just don't always think think things through. And then the prefrontal cortex also plays a role in um, preventing aggressive behavior. So because there's a decrease in this activity, this is also why sometimes people, um, there can be a relationship between alcohol and violence. And then the temporal cortex, this is a part of the brain where um, the hippocampus lives. And this brain region is responsible for forming new memories. So we see a reduced activity in the hippocampus, which is why people tend to black out when they're drinking or they don't really remember what happened the next day. And so we've also seen that these PET scans, like so when they're looking at, you know, the brain, um, they show that alcohol, of course, can release things like epi- endorphins like um you know, some of our pleasure hormones that can bind to opioid receptors in the brain, which is why we feel good. Um, Or again, dopamine, for instance, that is kind of released when we first start to drink. But this is also one of those neurotransmitters that drives addiction. So um, in addition to dopamine, again, we know that alcohol can also release serotonin. So that makes us feel happy and calm. Um, It can also impact GABA levels. So that inhibitory neurotransmitter. Um, But we also know that by increasing GABA levels in the brain, um, this can also result in slurred speech. So our limbic system is actually involved in emotional responses, which is slowed by alcohol. So the limbic part of the brain is kind of slowed down a little bit, which again is why we sort of, you know, aren't always making the best decisions. And then you might also notice that when somebody is drunk, they start to like walk a little weird or they're like stumbling around or they're super klutzy, right? This is again, because part of the brain that controls your coordination, the cerebellum, very, very sensitive to alcohol. Um, Passing out, right? Sleepiness. This is another side effect again, because the reticular activating system in the brainstem that controls our ability to be conscious, um, that can kind of get dampened as well. And then we talked a little bit about vasopressin um, before, which again is kind of that hormone that prevents the kidneys from getting rid of too much fluid. So this causes us to go to the bathroom all the time and then can lead to dehydration later. And then of course, again, we know that it can impact the hippocampus. So that's what deals with memory formation. And what's interesting to note is that alcohol is also toxic to the nerves outside of the brain and the nervous system. So this can actually result Um, in the loss of sensation of your hands and feet known as neuropathy. So something to pay attention to. 
And then I just want to touch briefly on alcohol and sleep. Again, because alcohol, as we're coming off of it, can be a depressant, and this causes our brain activity to slow down. Um, so it can, of course, make us feel like relaxed and sleepy. I know me, like when I'm drinking, I, I generally just want to go to bed. But what we're finding is that when we're drinking alcohol, it actually leads to poor sleep quality and poor sleep duration. Um, and we're seeing insomnia a lot of the times that is linked with drinking um, and also making sleep apnea symptoms worse. So as liver enzymes basically metabolize alcohol during the night um, and our blood alcohol decreases, individuals are more likely to experience these sleep disruptions. And then again, a that decrease in sleep quality, which is why even if you went to bed really early, let's say after like day drinking, you don't feel good the next day because what it does is that it suppresses something called REM sleep during the first two cycles. So we know that REM sleep deals with, um, you know, like our breathing rate and our heart rate and our heartbeat, right? Um, so dreaming a lot of the time also takes place during REM cycles. And so this also plays a role in memory consolidation. And since alcohol is sedative, a sedative when we're coming off of it, what happens is sleep onset is often shorter for drinkers. And then some um, can actually have issues as the night progresses as well, which kind of creates this imbalance between slow wave sleep, which is this really deep restorative sleep, and REM sleep. So this basically decreases our overall sleep quality. So that makes us have shorter sleep duration and then actually more sleep disruptions. Because again, a normal sleep cycle basically consists of four different stages. We have three non-REM so non-REM, non-rapid eye movement stages, and then one rapid eye movement stage. And alcohol basically reduces that REM sleep and then can, like I said, kind of cause us to have um, insomnia. What they're also finding is because alcohol can cause the throat muscles to relax, this can create more um, resistance during breathing, which is why people can have uh, flare-ups of sleep apnea. And you might notice that your partner is snoring more when they sleep, which makes you want to murder them. So just kidding. We're not murdering anybody on this podcast. So you actually do not sleep better when you are drinking. Um, it can really disrupt your REM cycle and your non-REM cycle, and you're not really getting into that slow wave restorative sleep, which is why you're still super tired the next day. And then lastly, to close out the show, I do want to talk a little bit about moderation and leaning into damp living. So again, we know that, of course, excessive drinking is linked to a whole bunch of issues now, like dementia and, you know, liver disease, and it's just not good right long term. But um, moderate drinking, moderation is, you know, there's, of course, some research out there. You can find research to support anything these days. But I want to actually define what moderate drinking means. Because if we want to still, like I said, have fun and live life, and if that's what, you know, you feel like you want to do, like, cool, right? Um, moderate drinking is defined as no more than one drink a day for women and two for men. So one drink a day for women, two drinks a day for men. That has been shown to have less effects. And there's actually benefits, right, from like a social side of things and, um, you know, like social interactions, cultural, all of that. And so if you're going to moderately drink, just be mindful of that number. But if you've listened to this episode or maybe you've been toying around with like, yeah, I just don't feel good anymore. I don't love it. I'm not getting a whole lot out of it. You might want to consider something called damp living, which is kind of like what I prescribe to, um, which is basically you're not totally dry and you're not 
totally wet, right? So it's like a lesser approach to drinking overall. So it's kind of like this like semi-sober approach. A lot of people I know will do like sober October and dry January. And that, again, I think sometimes can be really extreme. Um, So like damp living is like, yeah, like I'm not going out of my way to drink. But if there's an occasion that comes up, um, you know, like I'll have a cocktail with my friends or I'll have a celebratory glass of champagne or whatever it is. Or you can also, you know, my version of damp living as well is like I'll order a drink and then I literally have like, I don't know, four sips of it and I'm done with it. Like that's fine too, right? Um, hopefully we'll start to see some more places that have like mocktails that come up and, and all of that. But if not, you know, you don't feel bad if you don't want to drink. Um, you don't have to give an explanation. I, I heard somebody once say that alcohol is actually the only drug that you have to give an explanation for why you're not doing it. If you didn't do like cocaine, someone wouldn't be like, what's wrong with you? You know, you say like, I'm not drinking. People are like, what's wrong with you? So you don't owe anybody an explanation. Um, you can do your own version of, of damp living if you want. Again, kind of this semi-sober or you could pull a Brianna and get like a prop beer and be like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to hold on to this. And you have a couple sips and you leave it and you move on with your life. So hopefully this was a fun episode. Thank you all for being on this 40, 40th episode journey with me. And I hope you all have an amazing day and I'll see you soon. Ciao. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba. Pew.